chapter 20. to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. So Jesus calls them to a mountain. Is that a little loud for y'all? You okay there with that? Okay, I've noticed some sound changing, but I'm going to try to lower my voice if it's too loud. So Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter 16, he calls them to a mountain. Why does he call them to a mountain? If you follow throughout the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 4, Uh, When Jesus is tempted, and I'll come back to this in just a second, when Jesus is tempted by the devil in the wilderness, he actually takes Jesus to a mountain for his third and final temptation. In Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus delivers a sermon, and we know it as the sermon on the what? Sermon on the mount, because it took place on a mountain. Later on in Matthew's gospel, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on a mountain with him, and there he is transfigured before them. Jesus delivers some of his final teachings on the Mount of Olives, and now we find ourselves back on a mountain. In verse 16 of Matthew 28, he calls these 11. They're 11 because Judas is gone. And he says, meet me at a mountain. How that took place, we don't know. How he communicated to them to meet him on that mountain, we don't know. Maybe, maybe he communicated it to Peter. And Peter's telling the rest of the disciples. And maybe they're thinking, okay, he wants to meet us on a mountain again. But as Christians, we love our mountaintop experiences. Every time I've been to a Christian camp, or been to a lectureship, or even been on a mission trip, in one way or another, it feels like one of those mountaintop experiences. We need those. God gives us 
these mountaintop experiences, but most of life is not lived on the mountain. Most of life is lived in the valley. So Jesus calls his disciples here in verse 16 to meet him on a mountain. They're going to have one last mountaintop experience with Jesus, and then he's going to send them back into the valley, back into the trenches, back into regular life. So they meet him on a mountain, and then in verse 17, it says, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So they are looking at a man that they watched die. They watched him buried in a tomb. But now he's back. So I place myself on the mountain, and I'm thinking, well, what are they doubting? Why does Matthew include, in, right before he gives this great commission, why does he include in there, yes, some are worshiping, but some are doubting? I think Matthew does this intentionally because he knows that doubt is going to be a part of our journey. Some of you, maybe you've never wrestled with doubt. I don't know where you're at for those of you sitting in the audience right now, but if you are someone who struggles with doubt, I am a friend of doubters. If you ever need someone to talk to about your doubts, come talk to me because I'd be glad to because I've struggled with doubts myself. Randy Harris is a professor for Abilene Christian, and he has often said doubt is not the opposite of faith. The opposite of faith is complacency. But if you doubt, that means you care enough to wrestle with some of your doubts, so you actually may be closer to the faith than you realize. So they meet Jesus on this mountain, they're worshiping him, but some are doubting. And maybe when Matthew includes this, he's thinking of Thomas. If you study John's gospel in John chapter 20, uh, John tells us that Thomas didn't believe. He wasn't with the rest of the disciples when Jesus first appeared to them, and he didn't believe that Jesus was actually back. So he wanted to see Jesus, he wanted to touch his scars. So maybe, maybe Matthew has Thomas in mind when he says that some are doubting. And so we know Thomas forever as doubting Thomas. But what you may not know about Thomas is that he became the first missionary to India. So Thomas took this great commission so serious that he left the comfort of the area that he grew up in, the language that he knew, and he took the gospel, he took this message of Jesus all the way to India. And for years, he made disciples of Christ in India, and it was in India that he refused to worship and to offer sacrifices to some of their gods, and it was in India that he was martyred for his faith. So maybe we should call him Thomas the missionary rather than doubting Thomas. But Jesus gives him time. To come along. Uh, he, he addresses the doubt in John's gospel, but for the others who are doubting, he went ahead and he gave them this commission. Uh, one of the areas we're going to highlight this morning for the global missions that we're a part of at Pine Tree is the Let's Start Talking group. Uh, anybody in this audience been on a Let's Start Talking trip? Just a quick show of hands. Some of you have, okay? Um, we have, Jessica and I participated in Let's Start Talking in, in other places. We haven't been on a trip with the Pine Tree crew, but this is uh, one of the group picture, pictures from, a, I think, the group that went to Korea this past summer. So one of the overseas foreign missions that we're involved in is Let's Start Talking. If you don't know what that is, I'll tell you quickly. And Let's Start Talking can help those who struggle with doubt. Um, it is an, you're offering free English 
conversational, one-on-one tutoring, basically. So you go to China or Korea or Japan or wherever our groups go each summer, and you sit down one-on-one, and it looks something like this. Here's Leonard, one of our elders. Uh, You sit down one-on-one, and you have a booklet that's pre-prepared for you, and it goes through the Gospel of Luke. It's an easy-to-read English version, so you're doing this one-on-one English training for someone who may have never heard of Christ, may not, maybe they don't believe that God's Word is the Word of God. You know, I don't know, but they just want to learn their English. But as they sit there one-on-one with you, they're soaking in the story of Jesus according to Luke. You know, Luke wrote his gospel uh, for the Gentiles, so it makes sense because he doesn't have all the Old Testament quotes or as many as Matthew does. And then through this ministry... People have come to Christ, seeds have been planted, and this is an important part of the missions here at Pine Tree. So that's one of the areas we wanted to highlight, especially as, we, as I got to this verse here where it says that some doubted. Because as you study the Gospel of Luke, you might be wrestling and conversating with those who are doubting, those who are struggling with this message, but hopefully they come. So if you're interested ever going on one of these Let's Start Talking trips, know who to talk to, talk to me and I'll point you in the right direction. I'm a firm believer in let's start talking. So we continue in the the Great Commission, highlighting let's start talking. They meet Jesus on the mountain. Some are doubting, some are worshiping. And then in verse 18, he's speaking. And he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's his first statement. All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Chapter 4, when Jesus was in the wilderness, he's fasting for 40 days. The devil appears to him at one of his weakest moments from a human standpoint, and he begins to tempt Jesus. And Jesus responds to Satan with what? With Scripture. And that third temptation, the devil takes Jesus up on a mountain and he offers him all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil tells Jesus, you can have these if you just worship me. But Jesus refuses to give in to that temptation and instead he quotes scripture again. And that was the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. Now he's on this mountain after he's resurrected and now he has all authority. All the authority that Jesus has is not some self-assured authority. This is authority that God has given him. And now Jesus has this authority the right way. He doesn't take it the cheap and the easy way when Satan offers it to him, but now he has all the authority because God has given him all the authority. And maybe one question I have as I wrestle with this text is do we really believe that? Do we really believe that Jesus has all authority? Because if he does, then we have nothing to fear. Whether you feel like you're sent here in Longview, or you're sent to Korea, or Japan, or China, or some of these other areas that we're going to look at, if Jesus really has all authority, and that's who we're making disciples of, then we have nothing to fear. We trust in the one who has all the authority. So he tells them this, and then in verse 19, This is where that commission statement begins, and he says, go. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. 
You know, the NIV may say, therefore go, but the NRSV says, go, therefore. So that very first word is go, which is a reminder that God is a sending God. He's a God of mission. He sends. Now, I'm going to talk more about that word in just a moment, but to highlight another one of those areas that we're involved in here at Pine Tree is there are goers and there are senders. And one of the things that we're doing with our special contribution is we're helping send people on mission trips. But there are those who maybe God places on their hearts and they hear a call from God to go somewhere, out of their comfort zone, out of their home, and to go. Jason, Becca, Allen are two of the missionaries that we support in Cambodia. They heard the call from God to go from the commission that he gives here. And for whatever reason, it was on their heart to go to Cambodia. So that's where they are, and that's another uh, area that we are focused on in Cambodia. Instead of showing you a picture, they actually made us a short video, giving us kind of a a glimpse of what they've been up to in Cambodia. So we're going to show that video right now. Good morning, Pine Tree. This is Jason, Becca Allen, and baby Judah coming to you from Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Um, Since our furlough, we came back here and things have really taken off. Uh, One of our big prayers was that as we were here doing language training, that we would find ways to get plugged into gaps in ministries here in the city and in the country. And we really feel like God's blessed us with that. Um, One of the things that I've pursued for a while off and on has been counseling. And since we've been here, we've realized that there's a huge need here to raise awareness about mental health and emotional health and spiritual health among Khmer people, um, as well as providing care for foreigners, uh, missionaries and business owners and things like that. So I've been volunteering with the, with, uh, the only Christian counseling center here in the country and uh, also started a graduate program for counseling uh, back in August. Um, so I really hope that this will be an opportunity for me to Um, not only be able to raise awareness about mental health, but also to be able to uh, equip local churches uh, to be able to um, reach out into their communities as well. Yes, and um, since we've come back from furlough, I've gotten involved with an organization called Prison Fellowship. So I've been working in the the prisons here in Cambodia. Um, We have started a Bible study in the prison and seen huge transformations among the women there. Uh, It's a really unique situation. We have women from 10 different countries that attend our our Bible study. (laughs) So we have um, a true opportunity to not just reach people here in Cambodia, but people who one day will be released and sent back to their home countries. It's really been a huge blessing in our lives, and we've seen some real transformation through that. Well, we just want to thank you guys so much for your support, for your prayers, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again, hopefully sometime next summer. God bless. So that's Jason, Becca, Allen, if you don't already know them, uh, missionaries that we support in Cambodia, and baby Judah also, who wanted to let his presence known in that video. You know, they're letting us know what they're doing. You know, they're supporting local churches through, as Jace talked about, some of the counseling, working with mental health and Becca in the prison ministry, and reaching those who are in prison, not just in Cambodia, but 
uh, people from other countries who are in prison in Cambodia, and, and the opportunity to make disciples. So the call to go, and they received that call, and they went. And it's not an easy thing to do that, to leave behind home, especially this time of year when the holidays are coming up, and you're somewhere else. And you see on social media, uh, everybody's getting together, the weather's changing, families are joining together, and it's a hard place to be in. So be in prayer for Jason Becca during this time, and let's continue to support them. So Jesus says in verse 19, go. And they went. And some of us go, but some of us could say, some scholars say that you could translate it while you're going. So maybe you don't hear the call to leave. Maybe you've been right here in East Texas your whole life. But the Great Commission is still for you as well. While you're going, he says, make disciples of all nations. Right there in verse 19. This word disciple is a word that we toss around a lot. I like the word disciple. The word Christian sometimes can come with some baggage depending on how you use the word Christian, but the word disciple is a word that has increased in popularity in the last decade or so. We're kind of going back to that word. The root for the word disciple, you know, we use that word in English, began with this Hebrew word, Talmudim, which means a student or a learner to a rabbi. And the Greek word that Matthew uses here in Matthew 28 is this word, mathetes, and it means the same thing, a student or a learner. So the basic idea of what a disciple is, is what you see in these 11 disciples. Someone who dedicates their life to following a rabbi, learning from their rabbi, learning how their rabbi behaves, what their rabbi believes, and how their rabbi interprets the scriptures. And so being a disciple is more than just a one-time decision, although you have to make a one-time decision at some point. But being a disciple is more than just believing a certain set of beliefs or doctrines. It's a way of life. So Jesus says, just like you have been disciples, you go and you make disciples. Not of themselves. So Peter is not making a disciple of Peter or James a disciple of James. Instead, it's this multiplying effect where they make disciples of Jesus. And one of the purposes is to make disciples who will make more disciples. And it all centers back into this life of committed following, committed to following Jesus. That's what a disciple is. So Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. In Matthew chapter 10, we looked at a few weeks ago, Jesus initially sends his disciples to the lost sheep of Israel. He says, don't go to the uh, Gentiles or any of the towns of the Samaritans, but start with the lost sheep of Israel. But it was building to all nations. That was his plan, was to reach all people. Kind of like that what began with the conversation between God and Abraham back in Genesis 12, to reach all people, to be a blessing to all nations. And now Jesus is saying, not just the lost sheep of Israel, but all nations, all people. Right here in Longview, uh, in Cambodia, in Japan, in China, in Korea, and even in Honduras. So another area we're going to highlight is something you might be a little more familiar with, and that's Mission Upreach. Uh, in Central America, in Honduras, I, I believe Honduras is the second poorest country on this side of the world. 
Uh, we have a missionary there named Phil Waldron, one of the lead ministers, and he also made us a short video. So if you don't know what Mission Upreach is, or you do, and you want to hear some more, let's watch this video as Phil Waldron addresses our congregation. Hello, Pine Tree. Greetings from Mission Upreach. God is doing great things here. Thank you for being a part of it. Three years ago this past September, the local church started with only 23 people. This year, we've baptized 40. Our attendance has grown to be over 300 every Sunday. And this year, during our short-term mission season, we have impacted more than 10,000 adults and children. Rather than go on and on, though, about how much has been accomplished, I'd like to share with you something more important. One of the biblical principles that guides our work is found in 2 Timothy 2.2, which says, The things you have heard from me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul was giving an inspired commentary on what Jesus said in the Great Commission. He said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. He was talking about the same process that Paul talked about with Timothy. Our job as missionaries is to not only teach people how to be saved, but we then need to spend a significant amount of time teaching them how to teach others. While we do a lot of good works in Jesus' name, our core ministries are focused on making disciples that know how to make disciples that in turn know how to make disciples. Richard Garcia is a young man who illustrates that principle. Long before Mission Upreach became the owner of the Moses Project, Richard graduated from there. And he says that he was far from being a Christian while he was a student. But then he met some members of the Church of Christ from Crucithus, which is a church that Mission Upreach helped plant some eight years ago. In fact, a construction group from Pine Tree helped build a building there. Since becoming a Christian, he has graduated from our leadership training programs that we call Creo and Cresco and he is now working for us as a church planter, teaching seminars just like the ones that he was trained in. This January, his goal is to enroll in the Baxter Institute in Tegucigalpa, which is a four-year university-level academy that offers a bachelor's degree in theology. Como que crucé un puente, de vivir una vida sin nada que hacer, una vida sin propósito, a tener un propósito en lo específico por qué vivir. Y ese puente conectó de una vida de pecado a una vida de consagración con Dios. Entonces eso me ha llevado a, a vivir eh, con, con un propósito en específico que quiero lograr. Richard is a good example of what we need to produce a thousand times over in order to plant one church in each village in this generation. Rejoice, Pine Tree. God is doing great things with your investment here. May he strengthen your faith and prosper your efforts to expand his kingdom. So in Matthew 28, verse 19, when Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations, they're in this small little area called Galilee. And Jesus hadn't traveled too far outside of there. Yeah, he'd been south to Samaria and Judea. But when he tells his disciples, here's the big plan, go to all nations, he really meant that. And within just a couple of decades, the Roman emperor himself, had found out what this Christianity thing was all about, and he was trying to put it to an end. So when Jesus says, make disciples of all nations, it goes from Galilee to the streets of Rome, and now today, 2,000 years later, we still believe this commission is for us to go to all nations. 
So that includes these areas that we've highlighted, including Honduras. So we see the work that they're doing to make disciples. And make disciples, as he said, who make disciples. That's a part of Jesus' plan. And plant churches in each village. And that will be a part of that continual uh, discipling process. So Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the only place in the Bible where someone equates baptism with the Trinity. So when, when we baptize people, and you hear that, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's because of the words right here in Matthew 28. That Jesus commands us to baptize. That's a part of discipleship. That's the beginning part. We read elsewhere in the New Testament that when you're baptized into Christ, you know, you receive the forgiveness of sins. You receive the Spirit of God. You know, that chance to have that home. Your sins forgiven. Nothing that you've done but what Jesus has done for us. So Jesus says, go and baptize into my name, the Father and the Spirit. And then uh, he tells them to, to obey everything that I have commanded you. So being a disciple of Jesus is a continual process. Baptism launches you into a new life. It doesn't mean you'll be perfect. It doesn't mean you'll get things right away. It just means that you've begun a new journey of obedience, obeying the teachings of Jesus, living out what he has taught us. And probably when Matthew says that, he has in mind everything that he's written from the Sermon on the Mount all the way through the end of Matthew 25, which we read last week, that Jesus believes that his followers will put these things into practice. So we try to do that not just here in Longview, but as we've mentioned with our Let's Start Talking trips uh, in Cambodia with Jason Becca, in Honduras and Central America with Mission Upreach, and even in Western Africa with Ghana, which I know Doc and Rodney and Larry went on a trip recently, and here's a picture from that trip. They went to Ghana with the purpose of making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they went around doing that, and I believe here's a, a well, I took the picture out, but there was a, a picture of a church from Ghana. But they take this commission that Jesus gives us, and they take it into the villages of Ghana. And so, so these are the areas that we are working in in Pine Tree, the global areas. The last few weeks we've highlighted some of the local things, but these are some of the main areas that we are focused on uh, in taking the Great Commission, taking this mandate to make disciples around the world, to all nations. Uh, before we conclude the sermon, I'm going to come back up here in just a moment, but you probably saw in your bulletins, we're going to do this special missions contribution right now. So I'm going to pass this on, and then I'll come back up here in just a moment. But if you want to keep your spot in Matthew 28, we're going to look at that last line from Jesus. I'll pass it on to Kim. Thank you, Jody. What we're doing today is Mission Sunday. There are two budgets for missions. One is the missions that's in the church budget itself, and that's over there. This is a separate budget that we'll have, and missions, is, as Jody pointed out today, there's a lot going on. Um, you have a, and a, oh, there it is, good. You have a card, just, just find it, and Read through it, it says, and I know most of you know what this says, but you can give weekly, monthly, or one-time 
everything in contribution today will go toward missions and what we call Mission Sunday is today. But let me stress that if you're not sure or if you say, oh, I wish I would have done something different, money, it can be given any time. It's just we would like to get as much information as we can in the next few weeks so we can set out our budget for next year because we, we have quite a bit of money that's committed this year. A lot of good things have been done, but it's, it's not us. It's, it's God, uh, and I'm going to talk about a couple of things. Uh, we'll pass the plate for, for collection in a minute. Um, church mission work is an organized effort to spread Christianity. Uh, Matthew 28, the word I like the most is go. And it, that's the first word that's spoken, but um, there's, I've already covered some of this, but what we'd like to say, what we do now is uh, to prepare for 2018. But besides Matthew 28, there's several other things that I want you to think about. We're stewards and we're servants. And did you know that God made every person on the planet? Not just us, but everywhere you go, that's God's child. And that, sometimes I know in the past I hadn't thought that way, but I do now. So why do we do this? Of course, the Great Commission. In Colossians, Paul says it is the Lord we are serving. Work everything you do, do with all your heart, for it's the Lord we are serving. In Mark, humility, the apostles were arguing about who is the greatest, Anyone who wants to be first must be very last and the servant of all, Jesus says. In Matthew uh, 25, about the gold bags, the servant returned what was given to him after using it wisely. The master said, well done, I will put you in charge of many things. Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament, my power and strength in my hands has produced this wealth for me. That's me talking, a human but it is God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. That's all the way back by Moses and Deuteronomy. But the biggest question in John 4, 6, 14, 6, in, in our lives, we're always wanting to know, well, how do you do something? How do you find something? How do you go somewhere? How do you do this? Well, Thomas was the same way. He's, he asked in 4, 14, 6 in John, how can we know the way? And Jesus said, he didn't say, I'll show you the way, I'll point that way, this is the way. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what's being done. The gospel is spreading for people to have eternal life so they can spread it to other people. And if we had time to show you everything that's going on that God is doing, it's not that we're doing it but God's using us to spread his word. And I'm glad we're a part of that. And you have that opportunity. You don't have to go on a trip. There's a lot, I mean, there's no pressure to do anything. But once you start giving, whether it be to this or something else that has to do with the church, at first you have a lot of anxiety because you're thinking, I don't know if I can do this or I'm for this or what if something happens. I understand that. I'm the same way. But once you start doing it, there's a peace that comes down on you, and you, you go, okay, it's all right. It's all right. That's our God. Okay, pray with me. Our Father, 
You love us. You've given us everything. We know that. Help us to realize that this is an opportunity. It's not a burden. That, that you have set out things in front of us that the Great Commission says, go and make disciples. And we have that opportunity. We know the way. We're fortunate that your son has told us that he is the way. Other people have not heard that. Help us to spread that. Help us to give. Help us to not have anxiety or fear about what we're doing because we know our, our citizenship is not here. It's in heaven with you. And help us to have peace in all we do and fill us with your spirit. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Joy.